Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with author Tracy Wolf. We're talking about her book, Starbringer, that she co-authored with Nina Croft. That will be available on July 11th. Um, the book is phenomenal. It's a long read, but it is so worth it and um, so well-paced and such a fun adventure. And I just really enjoyed this conversation with Tracy talking about how, um, you know, just the challenges of, of developing really interesting characters and putting them all together and, um, you know, just her experiences co-authoring a book and how it differed from her other experiences of co-authoring and writing uh you know, alone. So, but either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Tracy Wolf. Today we've got Tracy Wolf here with her upcoming release, Starbringer, which she co-authored with Nina Croft. It comes out on July 11th. Um, Tracy, thanks so much for joining us today. I, this book, I got sucked in. I did not expect to get sucked in so easily. It was really engaging and entertaining. And I don't think even all the unlikable parts of the characters, I still liked all the characters very much. So I'm 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 happy to dig in a little bit deeper today. Oh well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I am so happy to uh, to hear that you like Starbringer. This is some of the first feedback I've got on it, so I'm very excited. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, yeah, I was, I was, <laughs> say, I was. Um, it makes me really happy that you like the characters. That was kind of that was my job. Nina was world building. And characters and relationships. So okay. uh, I'm super happy that you like them. I had a lot of fun with you. Yeah, I, um, I know there are some unlikable parts of uh, people, you know, <laughs> like people, right? Yeah. Um, but I did. I had a lot of fun building them and building their relationships and, and going from there. And I'm thrilled that you, you enjoyed the book. Plus, like, yeah, the world building, too, on Nina's part. Um, yeah, we'll get into that because I know you have, like, you have tons of published works under your belt already. So can you like, you know, share a little bit about, well, first, okay. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. First, could you give like a summary of the book and then we'll get into like your background and how you had this idea and also co-authoring this book and, and bringing this story to the world. Oh, absolutely. Starbringer is story. Uh, we like to call it uh, breakfast club meets firefly. I've always wanted to do a space opera. I actually had an idea of something like this. It was it was YA many years ago. And when my publisher started launching uh, Red Tower, which is her new imprint for the uh, second book in the line, the first book was Fourth Wing, which was a very cool dragon book. When she uh, came up with the idea to launch the line, I I wanted you know wanted to be part of it, and and she wanted us to be part of it. So we were very lucky. And um, we kind of all came together and, and came up with uh, the idea of these seven misfit characters, I guess you would say, on a spaceship. It's not heavy sci-fi. I would never dream to kind of throw my hat to that arena. Um, that is intense world building and science that, that I'm not sure I have. Mm. So this is more uh, seven people flying around on a spaceship with a bunch of people on their ass. It did some... Um, a little bit, uh, it's it's a comedy and a little bit of a drama, but um, just really a lot of a lot of fun is kind of what we were aiming for. So hopefully we deliver that. And there's you know, uh, interstellar po- politics. There's a big you know existential threat. There's a, a bunch of other stuff with that. But it really, it's it's just these seven kind of goofy characters on a spaceship. I loved all of them and kind of how yeah how I mentioned before because like there's certain characters and like where certain character traits where you're just like okay that's like definitely an unfavorable trait in a person but I still like it's really hard to find that line I feel like with character building because you want to make them relatable and but you also it's hard to create an unlikable character who also is like you you are still sympathetic towards you know, who you still like appreciate what they're going through, appreciate part the, all the parts of them as, as a whole, as the whole big picture. So I know I, I, I loved it. And I think just having it have the idea of all these different personalities from all walks of life, having to accomplish a goal, like when all of, they all have like different motivations and different, loyalties you know, what one and different. Yeah. Personally, I mean, it's hard, right? Because when you all have different loyalties, I think that's also very difficult, right? Because they all have a different agenda. They all want something different. 
they've all come from a very different walk of life. So they have a very different view on the world um, that they live in and trying to put all those people together. And, you know, so that's why survival is always a good one. Cause at least that, that's one goal they could all agree on. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? But, um, but other than that, it's uh, yeah, it's always very exciting trying to, to put all those disparate personalities in, in one room and, and hope that it all works out okay. But then that's where the fireworks come in, right? And that's where it's really fun to put them in relationships. And there are two different relationships, um, romantic relationships in, in Starbringer. There's the one between Callie, who is the princess, and Ian, who is the criminal, and uh, or the, the bad guy, or the mercenary, really, I guess, more than criminal, I guess you would call him. Uh, and then the sapphic relationship between the priestess and the rebel mm-hmm. Beckett and uh and rain and i had a lot of fun writing that relationship it's uh it's my first sapphic relationship that i've okay. that i've ever done which i think is so funny my partner laughs at me all the time because you know <laughs> we've been together a long time and she's like really you've never done a sapphic relationship before and I'm like that's so funny no, but, <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so uh, it was a lot of fun to to do that and and I it actually I think turned out to be my favorite relationship in the in the book I really really enjoyed Rain and, and Beckett and I'm really looking forward to uh to diving into book two and and getting to explore a little more with where they're going yeah and I really do like Rain and I think just a you know all the characters kind of feel that way too it's really hard not to like her it's really hard to be mean to her because she's just got this like <laughs> You know, like sheltered, optimistic, like rose colored glasses. Like she doesn't seem to, you know, when, when the situation is underway, she's more like excited that it's something new for her versus like a fight or flight response. She like has, she's not, (laughs) she doesn't necessarily have like a survivalist instinct. She is always, she kind of tackles it with like, oh, the possibilities, like this is something new or like, wait, what's happening now? And it's, it's like, girl, you might like you guys might have to like hightail it out of here. What do you like look real? You know, like it. And then yeah, like you have Beckett, fun. who's like very much like the opposite. So I thought, yeah, where she Beckett's like like she's looking out for herself, and then she's also very guarded, and then she's also like dealing with a lot of like right now, all she knows is survival because like she's so messed up right now, and so all she can do is like try to make it like worry about if she's going to have to like worrying about taking each breath, right? Like worrying about making sure that she's going to stay alive. And then, you know, it's a lot of her like intentions are a little murky to begin with, just because she's almost like an unrealistic narrator because she's like, doesn't, she doesn't have everything yet. She's still like healing and recovering from whatever the heck happened to her, you know, and she doesn't. Yeah. I mean, she is definitely an unreliable narrator because she doesn't know. She has huge gaps in her memory. She's just been literally tortured emotionally and physically. And trying to, uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to telling this part of the story from the point of view, right? So trying to figure out what's real and what's not. And and why of all the, of, of the worst time in the world, right? To meet the person that you're going to fall in love with is the time when you are such a disaster in, in every way where you're in, in pain physically and emotionally, where you're completely discombobulated and, and have and all you really want is to is to find your way back to yourself and back to to whatever you believe in and what you were fighting for. And then you end up here and in not only like not just with Rain, but with all of these people that she learns to very reluctantly care about, right? Um, who are so including Kelly, right? Who literally we have the rebel and the princess on the same uh, the same ship, and so obviously they have diametrically opposed agendas and everything they believe in. You know, Beckett has grown up hating the monarchy, and and Callie, who's the princess, believes that the rebels are you know responsible for her family's death, and so they have you know totally different things, and yet somehow they they yeah. How do you put them? in a in a spaceship and hope they don't kill each other (laughs) right so yeah i had a lot of fun exploring the ins and outs of the different relationships not just the romantic ones yeah and i think that's kind of like you bring that magic to it right where like it's just such an 
intimate setting. Like there's no escaping. Like there's no, you can't, there's very, there's very few areas where you, they can go to like hat to get away from everyone else. And so even then they're sharing that those little areas too. So it's, yeah, it's such an intimate setting to have all those like extreme ends to, to those stories, you know, to that um conflict, just, it's such like a, intimate setting to have all those personalities and such extremes like different sides of the of the conflict like all in one area and then adding like oh by the way we have to get here oh and by the way we're not necessarily safe like we're not and it's it's like you guys seem like you 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 how many magnificent ways can we throw like can we put them in trouble and it was it was marvelous it was it was like so good because you gotta like figure out a way to like make a story out of it right you have to like but you guys just do it so beautifully it was just so well done and and kind of like piggybacking off of that like what's this is this the first time that um you have co-authored a book no it's it's not um and we can talk about that in a second but yeah i'm a big believer in whatever is the most horrible thing that can happen at this moment is the thing that needs to happen and i I do that like every I try to do that every chapter and certainly every, you know, scene. Um, what is the worst thing that can happen here? Okay, let's do that and see what happens. I'm I'm terribly mean to my characters um, <laughs> and take great delight in, in being that way. But there is this line from The Blind Side um, that my I have three sons, so I know all the sports movies and all the superhero movies and all this. There's this line in The Blind Side about somebody being like an onion. Like you have to peel away the layers, and and she says the uh, the main character is like not if you use, them. and uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like Starbringer is right. Like you've just thrown these people in, and and normal they all have their you know most of them have brain excluded, a very hard exteriors. It's very difficult to get through. And you like you you basically surgically went in and just peeled all that stuff away, and like okay, good luck, here you are, and um and that makes it you know I thought. You know, it just makes it, I think, more interesting. But no, I've actually co-authored several different books with different people. My my first co-authoring experience was a book called The International Kissing Club. And I wrote it under the name Ivy Adams because it was with two of my closest friends in the world. Um, Emily McKay, who is a romance writer in her own right, and Shelley Cruz. Uh, she um, She's only written one other novel. But we had a lot of fun doing that. And so I've always been very open to co-authoring. And I also did a duology with another YA author by the name of Carolyn Child. We did a superhero duology. And then I um, wrote a book um, with Avery Flynn called, um, she's a uh, kind of a rom-com writer. Um, Super funny, super fun to work with. And we wrote a book called Back in the Burbs a couple of years ago. And so, yeah, so when this one came up and Liz, my, uh, my publisher, my editor, asked if, if Nina and I were interested in writing together, well, I think we both thought, well, let's try it out and see what happens. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm glad that um, you decided to do that. That's And that you also had like good experiences with co-authoring from the get-go. Because then I think, you know, you never know what kind of work would be created separately like you know and and that's also it could have gone either way like you guys could have had like such creative differences or you know just really not like and you know she's not here to but like you know i imagine that was like really tricky how was your experience with this collaboration different from like what you've done in the past if like anything or like big lessons learned stuff like that well i think that whenever you co-author you have to figure out out what works for the two of you and what works for you and one author is not what's going to work for you and another author because yeah. everybody every author writes differently um and that kind of a thing um so nina and i did it differently this time around we did she did like a first pass like putting everything in place kind of thing like you know we talked about plot we talked about what we want to do and then she kind of did a first pass and then I went in and, and really fleshed out the relationships and the characters and and all of those things. And uh, I, th- I think it worked. I, I think I hope that Starbringer is a product that that people like and uh, and enjoy reading. Uh, I think it's fun when you have you know we have different senses of humor, um, so that's fun. So I think we got you got you get that you get the two different kinds. She's um, British, so she has that very dry 
Oh, yeah. Which I love. You know, it's it's one of my favorites. So I thought she had added some really funny things into the book. I just loved. And then I kind of went through and flushed out her stuff. And I'm very situational humor kind of person. So I like to build a situation that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, uh, so that way, I, I think it's good. I think, I think it worked well. I guess I should say. I, I hope it is. I guess we'll find out. Um, we have talked about maybe trying things a little differently the second book because we like to shake things up and always, you know, the, the goal is to turn out the best book we possibly can. So we're trying to um, see what it is that you know really works for us, and uh, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's that's interesting um, because yeah, I mean, even with then, it's like, well, what the book the book is like substantial length too, you know, um, I guess that you have to be tricky because with the world building and then like with the, with the pacing too. Right. And it's like, it really is finding out that sweet spot, but I really like how, you know, you're kind of like, okay, for the next one, let's, let's try something a little different. Let's see if, you know, there might be something else there. Cause I think you challenge yourself, but then maybe you want to take it a step. You want to step it up a notch for the next one, especially just not for yourselves, but for the readers too. Right. Cause they're like, you know, no, that you kind of raise the bar. Unfortunately, I can speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for the your, your like reader base because I loved it. It was like such like a fast paced adventure, and all the personalities were just like it was so fun getting to know all the characters and their interactions and stuff. And you're, you know, waiting at, at what points like you know is that spark going to grow? Like the positive, the romantic sparks, and also like you know the tension and stuff too. And then, so for the next book, you kind of have to see where where you could take it from there, for sure. Especially oh, now absolutely, that absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think it's all about um about outdoing yourself, right? You know, Allie Carter, who writes um, Young YA, she wrote like the um, gosh, my mind, the Gallagher Girls, and a few other things. She we we had uh, we were at some conference together, and a group of us had lunch. She was talking about how you never hold anything back for the next book. You always leave everything you've got on the table of this book and then you figure it out in the next book which you want to do that's going to be like bigger and more exciting and and better and you know i just came off writing um the crave series and that was a series of very large very large books and um and we tried really hard to um to always have like to i mean i did i would leave everything on the table and then try for the next book to um to one up that and say, okay, what can we do that's even bigger and even better and even more exciting? Or what can we re- reveal about these characters that we haven't revealed, you know, so far? And I think, yeah, we're we're definitely Nina and I are are talking about Star Wars Two right now, and uh, which is not its title, by the way. <laughs> yeah. but the the, the follow up to Star Ringer and um, and discussing what it is we really want to do with it and and what we can do to to take these relationships and this world to the to the next level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so kind of something I kind of want to explore a little bit. Now you bounce so the story is told between like four of the characters um through their points of view. How did you get into the headspace like to switch back and forth between the points of view to put between the characters brains or mindsets and um have you ever had to do that before like what did you approach it the same way like how did you I just want to explore like how that process went for you because you you did a good job of like it was easily distinguishable between the four with just the style of writing I could tell that a lot it it, at least appears that a lot of care went into because I know with other authors with their switching point of view it can be really tricky to to you know, make less work for the readers to be able to recognize like, okay, the, I'm, I'm with rain or I'm with Beckett or I'm with Ian now, or, and I'm with, you know, I'm with Callie now. So what was like your process of, you just approach it the same way of like just switching back and forth and getting in that headspace and uh, making it all, you know, flow, like where it made sense, you know? Oh, well, um, thank you. First of all, um, mm. and simply, I've, I've done it before. I've written several books from multiple points of views. So it's not the first time. And I think that the the thing you have to do up front is you have to really distinguish the characters, right? You have to figure out. I think that you can't go into a multiple point of view book without really knowing who the characters are that you're writing from. Because I think if you don't do that, if you don't really distinguish them, if you don't really understand who they are and what their motivation is and what their voice is, 
that you will end up blurring them together. I think it's just natural because you as an author have a certain type of voice and um, trying to make sure that you just don't fall back on, on what is very, very natural to you. Or mm-hmm. I guess I should say not fall back on where you blend what is very natural to you with who this very distinct character is, right? Um, it's why, you know, hopefully that when, when you read one series and you read another series, the characters don't read the same because they're, they're different people. But I think that, yeah, I spent a lot of time really thinking about who Ian is and, and what his motivation is and, and how he would speak and, and, and what he would be concerned about, like what would matter to him versus what Callie's concerned about and what matters to Callie versus Rain and Beckett. And um, I think the more time you spend doing that, the easier it is to um, to really get them down on the paper. And then really, really, one, letting them have their head. Like, don't do too much internal editing at first. Like, just let them tell the story the way they want to tell the story. And then go back and make sure that, that it's doing what it needs to do. Um, my editor always says she believes that every scene should have at least two purposes. If you have a scene that only serves one purpose, you're doing something wrong is what she mm. tells me all the time. So I would look at like, what is this character's agenda? What is my agenda? You know, what is, you know, what do Nina and I think have to happen here? And how do I blend those three things together as I'm working into his voice, right? How do I blend those three things together to make sure that um, when Ian tells his part of the story, it is doing all of the things that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's so true. I I like that because I I think just from what so who I've um spoken uh when, spoken to other authors, and I think even just like watching you know behind the scenes of TV shows, that's like that is one of the things like that they start with is developing that character just full fledged. Even when you feel like you've gone, you've done enough. It's like no, you have to understand like forwards and backwards who these people are and so that it i think even doing that is like almost most of the hard part any you know because i feel like once you once you have that understood and well developed then it can almost become like it just makes the dialogue and the story arc a little bit more uh a little bit easier because you have all that background knowledge like already set and it makes you know definitely you put in that work and it makes it better, you know, it makes it so worth it just to take that time that it takes to, to really flesh those out. Cause I've, you know, with other, I think a lot of authors also just struggle with, um, at least, you know, from what I've noticed, it's, it's it could be tricky to like create multiple point of views that are e- easily distinguishable. I was do- just cause I was like doing some research on, on, on you before, you know, reading the book and speaking with you about it. And I'm just like, and even, well, just even when I looked, I read the book, but then it has like, oh, also by Tracy Wolf and then also by Nina Croft. It's like, I didn't realize you both had like such, like lots of titles already like out there in the world. Like, okay, oh shit. Like I'm, I'm late to the game here. You know? So, but I'm, I'm really, I'm glad. I'm glad to have. Over 100. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I think Starbringer was 71 for me. And I think Nina's on um, 30 something, maybe, maybe more at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I think that helps, right? Because I think you start to understand intuitively and instinctively, um, and maybe not instinctively, but through, through a lot of trial and error, right? Um, what works, what doesn't. Um, dialogue, particularly, and ensemble casts are two of my favorite things. I, I love character interaction. I love the concept of found family. I love, um, I don't know. I just, there's something, well, I mean, I, I, I think all writers like love studying people, you know, we're people watchers by nature. I am one of the few extrovert writers, you know, <laughs> um, most writers, tend to be, at least of, of, my, of the people that I, that I know in my friend groups, I tend to be the rare extroverted writer in the, in the group. Um, but, uh, I do. I love, I love people. I love watching people. I love trying to figure out what makes them tick, you know? And I think that that kind of helps a lot when you're, when you're dealing with group dynamics and in characters, right? This is about how do you get your characters to react naturally in their, in their habitat, but how do you get them to react naturally to each other? 
Because I think mm. once you nail that, then I think the dialogue flows really easily because it's how would two friends interact or how would three friends interact or how would three people who really don't like each other interact. You know, and I think so much stems from really just that understanding of characters as people, you know, my best friend, Emily McKay, who I wrote International Kissing Club with, um, she and I talk all the time. Like, you know, we used to, you know, brainstorm a plot together all the time and we come at story from such different angles. And I think that's the other thing, right? Writers all have their own process. They have their own way of approaching story. And so when you co-write, it's it's about trying to figure out how to blend those two things together right so i would be like so this is how it would go when we were starting on a new story or something i'd be like so who is she and emily would be but what is she doing mm-hmm. and then i would be but who is she and emily would be but what is she doing and she is a very plot driven um writer very very interested in what's going to happen and then i built the characters out of the scenario i am very who are my characters? And then based on who they are, what's the worst plot I could throw them into <laughs> that will traumatize them and make them grow and do all of these things for them, right? Because the goal, right, is this complete character arc by the end of the series and or the end of the book, depending if it's a standalone. And, uh, and I think that because that's my love, I love character and I love everything about character, about developing internal dialogue and external dialogue and relationships and, and everything that goes into that backstory and how do you bring that backstory through delicately, right? And how does that influence what's happening? You know, how does what happened to them in the past before the start influence how they react in these certain relationships or these certain um, situations? And again, I think that if you nail that down, then multiple voice thing becomes very, very easy because these are people. It'd be like you and me in a situation. How do you react? How do I do it? Yeah, it's 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 very easy then to understand for them to pick out which one is you and which one is me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I did that did cross my mind. Like, man, if I was on the ship with these people, I don't know. I think I would like I would just I think I would just gravitate toward Rain because she seems like the least threatening. And I might be like, you know, just although uh, Merrick, I would probably be like turned off by him. <laughs> like, I'd probably steer well, clear of back right? in. Like, Merrick, I really like Merrick was was. I thought Merrick was going to be really, really unlikable, and and he was kind. That was kind of like the plan all along. And somewhere in the middle of it, I just like fell for him. Like I thought this, like you know, right around you get to about two thirds of the books, like like. Oh, there's a lot here that, yeah, I look to, I'm, I'm looking really forward into delving into, into Merrick because I think there's a lot going on there below the surface. Oh then, yeah, absolutely. And but, you know, I, I'm right there yeah. with you. Cause I, I don't know. He just reminds me of like it. I almost also had to keep reminding myself like of what age he's supposed to be because he just seemed like his personality just seemed like he was, you know, decades older, just be like, cause he, he takes his job so seriously and, or he's also, you know, as we learn, uh, he's, he's going through some shit, you know, and he's going through it privately. And, um, that is also, you know, ex- explains some of like his attitude and behavior and his, but yeah, he's like, he's got some tricks up his sleeve almost or, but he doesn't, he's not like trying to have any tricks. He's just trying to protect himself and to protect rain, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things I really enjoyed doing in this book also is is playing with worldviews, right? Because I think that, that in general, uh, we tend to get set in, in our ways and we tend to get set in, in how we view things. And, of course, it's all from our own experiences and things that we know and, and, and have gone through and people that we know and interact with and, and have read and have seen and all of that. But I think Rain and Merrick and Callie are very interesting to me. Um. Well, let me say this. I honestly, like, I gravitate towards Max and Beckett and Ian. I, I, I like, I like the bad boys and girls. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I gravitate towards them. But there was something I think very interesting in in Bella and Rain and Callie because their worldviews have been so shaken. Merrick's was shaken backstory, right? Before this starts, Rain and Callie's are shaken very much throughout this, this book. And, um, and as we go into book two, 
It's about how does that change who they are? How does that shape how they move going forward? How mm-hmm. is that going to impact the story? How is that going to impact their romantic and their their friendship relationships, right? And familial relationships. And, and how do we go from here? I'm really looking forward to delving into that because I think that when you really shake somebody's worldview up, everything changes, right? Their view of themselves, not just their view of their world, but their view of who they are and their place in the world changes. And I think that that's that's a very precarious place to be in as as a person or as a character, but it's a really fascinating place for a writer to be in where you get to really play with that, really get to see what happens because that's like firework, powder keg, just waiting to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then where do they go from here? Right. Cause it's like, that's with, you know, they're in their worldview and then they are separated from what everything they know into this situation, spaceship situation with everyone else from all walks of life. And, you know, we, we also want them to try to be spoiler free, but then at like what point when they return to if, and when they return to their old lives, like how do they how do they reconcile that you know like after learning more that you know their their original environment had n- no influence on like their people their parents or their people or their you know their uh co-residents whatever you want to call them from their past lives their original lives they they weren't on this journey with them and so like they've changed but then no one is seeing that process. Like, so when, if, and when they're returning to their original lives, it's like that, that just like creates such more conflict for them going forward. Cause now they're like, well now wait, I have new information now, or now I've grown or now I don't need this or now I don't agree with this. And so it just adds to all that like juicy political drama of, of all that. And just the character growth and just, I think it's just so fascinating. Like, what what are the implications after they grow, but then they're going back to that previous situation, you know, they're going back to where they came from and they were going back. Are they, they're meeting up with people who they've like, who they know from the past and, but they're not the same person anymore. And maybe they're, it's, it's, it's so complex. Yeah. It's, it could like, there's so many ways you could go with that, but it just makes it for entertaining reading. And, and you can also just to help engage the reader, like to have readers kind of like relate to that you know, to some aspects they can't relate to the situation at hand. They can relate to like the internal conflicts, but that you're offering through these like different points of view and offering the readers like different ways of looking at this world. You know, I just, I, I, it was so cool. That was like partially what, what made it so easy to like fall in love with, with the characters and what they're going through. It was just like how you said earlier, like, what can I, you know, what can I do to them right now? And how, how is this going to be meaningful? You know? And, and I, I just, I love it. I loved all of it. Well, thank you so much. You know, it's like that whole idea of like, so many of them just want to go back, right? They just want to go back to like, at the beginning, not at the end, but trying to get back to the status quo, back to where they were. And and, and the big problem, right, by the end of this is as their worldviews have been shaken, as they've been changed, the new worldviews and the new, the new things they've learned, the new truths they've learned, but also just the new um, experiences they've had, but also the new interactions they've had and how meeting these other people and these other walks of life have changed them. There is no going back, right? You can't ever, Callie, I mean, if we see that, Callie can't go back to, to what she was. Rain, um, again, I think Rain is going to be really interesting in book two because everything that just happened and to her kind of towards the end of the book. Yeah, so where do you go from there, right? I think so many of us as humans feel feel that way too and after big experiences like you just kind of there's a part of you that wants the safety or craves the um, the safety of of the familiar and of knowing what's going to happen and 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 routine and all that and then when that gets blown up what do you do how do you i mean you feel intensely vulnerable which i think is the best and worst time to start a relationship right um whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship because your walls are down Um, but also you're kind of on the defensive because your walls are down and you don't, you know, you don't know what's going to happen and you don't want to get hurt any more than you've already been hurt in, in whatever way you, you know, suffered. And so this idea of 
what comes next? Where do we go from here? Not just in the plot wise, but where do these people go? How do they pick up the pieces of, of so much that has been shattered around them and, and move into, you know, this new world and these, these new relationships and into the new people that they are, I think is, is super fascinating. And I think, you know, this, this is, this is the character growth at it, at it, at its heart, this is what it is. I mean, I feel like it's kind of been on steroids here, right? Like <laughs> forced character growth to a certain extent, whether you're, whether you're ready for it or not. But I, mean, I think that any good novel, forced character growth is the thing, right? Like you have your guy living around, you know, your character living the regular life, and then something happens and they're like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, you're like, good. Well, now everything's different. What do I do from here? And, uh, and, and, and certainly how yeah, that's what, um, what we played with here in Starbreaker anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that I want to kind of piggyback on from your comments earlier, what were, um, you, cause you kind of mentioned what you enjoyed a lot. So what, what were like the most challenging parts to write and then like the most enjoyable parts to write if they're different from what you were kind of talking about earlier? Well, like I said, I think relationships in general are the most enjoyable for me to write. Um, interactions between people, whether it's romantic or confrontational or friendship or whatever it is. Um, I really, um, I was really excited about bringing in, I bring in a couple new characters at the end that we, that we meet, right? And I'm very interested in what that's going to do to the dynamics of the ship in, in book two and the dynamics of these relationships because everybody changes and particularly with Mila's relationship with um, with Ian, right, mm. and Max, and what that's going to do to, to everything else that's unfolding. Um, what was most challenging for me? I think I always struggle with, with world building to a certain extent. Um, I, I, struggle is, is a harsh word. I think that it's always, some things come very naturally to me. Character development, character dynamics come very naturally to me. World building is something that I have to work at. I'm on the plus side is something that comes very naturally to Nina, whereas character development is something she really, I think, has to work at. Or, or you know, I don't want to speak out of school, but I feel like I feel like world building is definitely one of her strengths. And um, and so it, it's nice that that we can learn and ebb and flow from each other, right? But uh, for me, world building is a uh, is definitely something you know. I, I, my editor used to laugh at me because in, in the crew series, which is a young adult vampire series with witches and dragons and whatever, I would have something happen and she would be like, well, how does this happen? And I would be like, well, magic. She's like, oh, no, that, that doesn't work. And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, like, she's a witch. It happens because of magic. And she's like, um, no. Um, so so I'm, I'm one who always wants to, well, it can just happen because I've decided that it can happen. That's not how it so I think that like playing within the parameters that I've set up and uh and not be like, well, I just want to do this, so I'm just going to do it. Uh are uh, is probably always my most challenging. I just want to um I just wanna like I always I'm I'm one of those I'll always push just to see what happens. Good or bad, like when I'm writing. Always push just to see what see if I'm gonna get away with it. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, because then you're just like like what do you mean? Just like magic. Like what? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like magic is not a thing. I'm like, of course it's a thing. She's a witch. Like, he's a dragon. What do you mean it's not a thing? She's like, mm-hmm. it's a thing, but not the way you're using it. <laughs> right. Like, no, I'm you like, just have right. to, like, yeah, like you have to assume the reader like just doesn't has never heard of it before. I mean, yeah, it, it's, but it's true. It's like it's like a very helpful. Like, unfortunately, it's like forcing you to explain it and then you're like oh god you know <laughs> you're just like okay fine like yeah <laughs> and then well you know i have a rational reason and a rational explanation for what's happened and why it's happening and yeah right. <laughs> it's not always the fun part sometimes for me the fun part is like let's just do something wild and see how everybody reacts <laughs> right yeah <laughs> It like it works in some situations. Other ones, you're just like, okay, sorry, reader. Like, let me get back to it. You know, yeah, like, all right, I have to fix this. All right, maybe. You're right. <laughs> um, so just a couple more questions before we wrap up here. All right, I would love to know this answer for all the characters, all of our rag 
tag group of people, but concerning the four points of view. So like, what advice would you give to your characters? So like, what advice would you give to Callie, to Ian, to Rain and to Beckett? What advice would I give Ian? Dude, don't take yourself so seriously. <laughs> like, I know that you've had it rough and I know that like shit has happened to you, but come on now. Not everything is life or death, right? Not everything. Callie, open your eyes, girl. Come on now. Like, there's a huge world outside what you've already seen. Uh, why don't you, like, let's go explore it. Let's really, like, let's see what's out there and not, not just, like, oh, sights to see, but, like, what actually is happening. Open your eyes. Rain, oh. <laughs> Hang in there. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Poor baby. And Beckett. I think, I don't know that I have advice for Beckett. I think Beckett, I'm just going to apologize to you. I'm really sorry that I did what I did to you. Um, I don't know. Um, Beckett wouldn't listen Beckett. anyway. She'd be like, whatever. Like, That's true. But I'd be like, buzz off. Like, I, I can't use, you know, it's like, how is it going to help, help me right now? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, right? like, unless you're going to like, get me exactly what I need right now, then I'm not listening to you anyway. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I mean, I I just... Trust. I guess I told Becky, you can, there are people in the world you can trust. And maybe you found a couple of them right now. And I think that that's probably, that. that's her big, you know, her big flaw. She'll never, she has, understandably, I mean, I'm not saying otherwise, definitely understandably, but she has very, very hard time trusting people. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause she can't even trust her own brain, you know, for, for mm-hmm. most of the book. She cause she's them. still, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is, like, heartbreaking because she, you know, even when the reader, like, is introduced to her, we could see, like, she's like, okay, I remember this. I remember this. How long ago was that? It's like, oh, God. Like, so there, you, you like, offer, like, the reader to kind of struggle with her, you know, to just yeah. be like, yeah, like, yeah. I want you to figure out that out, too, girl. Like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, how long, you know, and because the timelines, it's also, like, definitely matter, right, for all the characters. It's like you know, in what point in time did this happen to them? How long have they been away? Like how, you know, because I think that with like, when you, when you intertwine, like all the political implications of, of the rebellion and the, and the conflict and all that stuff, it's, it definitely matters. Like how much, you know, what's happening and when obviously, but um, no. And I, and I kind of like going off of the characters, I think with all that character growth and the advice that you give to them, I think you, you paired the relationships well, where, you know, rain and Beckett are going to change each other. And then obviously Ian and Callie are going to change each other. Like not just what they're going through. Um, Cause obviously the trip in general changed Callie, but I think, I think also she had more of an impact on Ian than, than Ian had on her. Um, Cause we see Ian, we see him, his more vulnerable, sides come out and he he does not like it at all he does not like feeling this way towards a certain someone and having those feelings have an effect on him he does not he does not like it he's like not used to it he doesn't like it yeah and what he you know and because of because of his own familial relationships right how that is his feelings and, and his change of behavior impacts everybody not just himself right and yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting because Beckett doesn't trust anyone, including herself, but she trusts Rain, mm-hmm. you know, instinctively, I think. And I think that one of the things that was most interesting in, in, in building that relationship then was how do you write a character who doesn't trust anybody, including themselves, but they trust this person? And then once she she falls for this person, then she doesn't trust herself not to not to break her not yeah. to destroy her alone, you know and how does that impact that relationship right i i feel like it's such a predicament that Be- that beckett is in and um yeah i just i love her a lot and i i i want to take care of her yeah. <laughs> i want to give her a happy ending by the end of the series that, that she deserves you know yeah but uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah, like, like, how hard is it to to find the one thing in the world that you do trust, and then just not even trust yourself with it, right? Yeah. And and how do you how do you how do you function in that relationship then? Yeah, and it's new for her too. Beckett's like, 
She's yeah, like I could tell she's maybe she, I don't know. I guess when comparing her and Ian, she, he she seemed a little more, a little more like accepting of it, but it just scared her. It scares them both, but yeah, I think Beckett reached to like a level of understanding with it versus where Ian was yeah. like, like what the fuck? This is fucking with all my priorities. Like, you know, like... I do not like this at all, yeah. Yeah, like, so his, like, you know, sense of survival and all that, he's just like, what? Like, this is not, no, like... (laughs) This is not what I had planned, and I do not appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I I think, yeah, like you said, Callie, he didn't change. I think Callie still has the most growth to do. Well, I think Callie and Beckett, which I think is so interesting because you're two sides of the yeah. of the spectrum, right? But I think that they still have the, the most growth to do of of the characters. And I think when I started out, I just had always assumed it would be like Ian. But Callie is um Callie is a challenge in and of herself, I think. And um she is for better or for worse, and, and there's a lot of worse in there, you know, a princess. And how do you, uh, how do you not overcome? Yeah, I think part of me thinks, how do you overcome that? How do you overcome the very rarefied existence that you've had for so long? I mean, even knowing, knowing that you've had it and, and wanting to overcoming it and wanting to, to understand and, and be part of it. I think that still, that's a, that's a hard road to hoe and there's, a, there's a lot left for, for her to do, right? And, and yeah, there's always a part that's like, it's hard to have sympathy for the princess. And so that was one of the things that I worked really hard at was trying to, despite the fact that she too has, I mean, unlikable qualities. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Like the, the very breakfast club edge about it, right? You have all these characters who are flawed and who are a mess and who, you know, don't like each other and don't, you know, don't even like themselves in some of them, right? Mm. How do you how do you make them likable, right? How do you help us understand who they are and where they're coming from and, and help them grow? Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So kind of going off of that, you know, we want to be um, spoiler free, obviously. Uh, what can readers look forward to in, in the next installment that you can, that you feel safe uh, sharing? Um, I think more ridiculous hijinks. More friendship growth, more betrayal, more spicy times. Yeah, <laughs> more, uh, I think just more, and um, and a few twists and turns that that I don't that I'm hoping you don't see that they they haven't seen coming. There's there's a lot of twists and turns in, in what Nina and I are working on for the second one. So nice, nice. I know. Yeah. Well, because that that cliffhanger uh, pissed me off, but you know, you wouldn't be doing your job <laughs> if you did it. You wouldn't be doing your job right if if you you didn't like make us well. Like, ah! like what? <laughs> I do love a cliffhanger. I do love a cliffhanger. I'm the worst that's, that way. I know. That's what you got to do, though. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like you're the only only author who does it. <laughs> like it's it's part of the love the love hate relationships with these with these uh um you know books that turn into series because i remember i've i've you know there have been books i'm like oh yeah i want to like i'll add that to my to read list and then i'll i'll get into it and then i'm like oh shit like i just realized this is a series and the third book does not come out until next year what the f like how did i miss that and then it's like it's it's almost you know well it's almost like waiting for other entertainment like you wait for your show new season to come out you wait for the next movie to come out it's the same thing except for re- I don't think so much more intimate in my opinion so it's like ah like what are you you know I mean, you get that emotion like just like right there and then and then you're just kind of left sitting there like with a closed book and you're like wait no <laughs> well, I think I'm very intimate about about reading as a as a uh, as an entertainment because you are in these characters heads so you are experiencing you know it's it's you're experiencing it as you watch tv and film you know as well but there's something i don't know very intimate about about knowing you know in film you you figure out through hints what their their vulnerabilities are what their flaws are like what all that like when it's right there in your face i think as you're reading inside their head it's um yeah of course I mean it'd be like walking through your day knowing what everybody else is thinking and feeling what these giant you know red warning yeah. you know, signs on all of the uh, 
sometimes I think that'd be better, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, like, like you know, like you know, okay, this person's having a very bad day. I'm going to stay away from them, and why make their life worse than than it is already? Right? Just like, yes, I'm sorry, you're having a terrible day. We can we can try this again on another, you know. I know, but, right? Uh, like, wouldn't that be nice? Life just... is not like that. Wouldn't that be nice yeah, to just be I'm like... Yeah, I'm having a bad day. Steer clear of me. <laughs> just today. Give me today to just be a pouty, pouty person. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Just have a sign that says, do not F with me. I have not had my coffee yet. You know, like... Right, exactly. Like, just wear that on your forehead, right? Or, hi, I'm in a great mood today. You know? Yep. Like, sure, bring all your children near me. I am fine. Like, <laughs> like, like it's a good, good day. Yes. <laughs> Tracy Wolf, where can uh, readers and listeners find you on the internet and on social media? Oh, um, uh, I have a website, uh, Tracy Wolf Author. I'm on Instagram. That's Instagram's my favorite place to interact with my readers. And that's Tracy Wolf Books. Um, I'm also on Twitter as Tracy Wolf and then Facebook as Tracy Wolf as well. So um, you can find me any of those places. But again, uh, Instagram's usually um, the place that I hang out the most if I'm on social media. For sure. And um, yeah, we'll make sure to include uh, Nina's information in the show notes too. Um, so, you know, Definitely. everyone can find everything. So, <laughs> um, so well, thank you so much. Um, Starbringer comes out on July 11th, co-authored with Nina Croft. Uh, thank you so much. I feel like we can get into like such a much longer conversation about all like the cool world that you guys have created and um, the characters and and all that, I'm I'm so excited that there's going to be more more of our favorite ragtag group of uh, space explore- reluctant space explorers. <laughs> but uh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I've had a great time. And there you go. That was Tracy Wolf talking about Starbringer. That comes out on July 11th. Check out the show notes to find links on where to find her on social media, as well as Nina Croft's links and where you can buy the book. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, The Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. You can find all my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. If you do find a book that you really enjoy, please go ahead and hop on over to Amazon and Goodreads and give them a rating. It really helps them out. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.